From LibertyCast Studios and the Defenders of Capitalism Project, here's another capital idea from your host, Mike Williams. Mike Williams here, defender and champion of laissez-faire capitalism. Welcome back to another episode of Capital Idea. This is Michael Williams. This is the Defenders of Capitalism Project. I'm joined by Mitch Whitus, and we are going to talk about who, who is it here that is poisoning the blood? That's right. We're here to talk about capitalism uh, and all things capitalism, which means we're talking about rights, individual rights, property rights, the proper role of government, uh, the the only moral socio economic system that man has come up with before. And we oftentimes have to delve into, don't have to, but it makes sense to, and it's connected to the political system and the politics of the day. And it's interesting, Mitch, that, you know, for a long time, people have been kind of poo-pooing this, you know, this Trump guy and what he's been saying. And, oh, he doesn't really mean that. He's just inflammatory. But good God, I mean, can you imagine the kind of language he's using right now yeah, it's really, it's insane. Uh, and it really gets me fired up. I'm, you know, I've never liked Donald Trump, but I would do the same thing before. You know, I would hear him make some inflammatory remark. I'm like, you know, he just doesn't think before he opens his mouth, which is true. But now it's getting to the point where it's getting really disgusting. So I think it's important that we're talking about this. I agree with you. Disgusting and dangerous. Um and yeah, maybe it's just the state of our politics right now. Uh, people talk about how divided we are as a country, and there's some truth in that. Although I think in many ways, when I talk to people on different, you know, di- from different political viewpoints, oftentimes when you talk to them in person, you can, you can make some progress and see some common ground. But this kind of rhetoric really needs to be condemned. And so let, let, let's actually go through it. You know, recently it was in, in uh, New Hampshire at, at a uh, political rally. In preparation for the primaries. Go ahead and walk through some of these quotes that this guy had. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was, as of recording, it was pretty recently. It was December 16th. Trump goes, and he starts talking about immigration. And I think also it's important to, to note that, you know, capitalism and immigration, you know, you need, immigration is a part of capitalism. Yeah, they go hand in hand. I mean, we, we talk about the free flow of labor, capital, and goods. Yeah. Labor uh, oftentimes is that component of, of an economy where you're bringing in people who are wanting to work and you're wanting to hire them. Uh, the whole issue of immigration we should spend some time on, and I think this is a great episode to, to do that. I mean, it's not primarily what we're talking about, but it's definitely related, Right. It is. And I think a lot of people will sometimes compartmentalize and they'll say, well, I am pro-capitalism, or at least a lot of people say they're pro-business, but uh, immigration, that's a social issue. But what we're here to say is, no, that all of this is talking about capitalism in one way or another. Absolutely. And that's that's oftentimes, you have to compartmentalize at times and say, this is the category of things that I'm talking about. And, And I think there is some sense to say, you know, this is a social issue versus an economic issue. But we're here to say that, you know, all rights are one. Ultimately, it's a life issue. I have a right to my own life, my own property. And that means movement in right. the case of immigration. Uh, it means that all of these things are connected. You know, yeah. Capitalism is an integrated whole. It's not just about social issues, economic issues. It's about rights. It's about rights. Do I have a right to my life? And and so immigrants, our thesis is that immigrants are no different than any other human being. They have a right to their life, and they have a right to trade with who they want, as long as they're not 
violating the rights or violating the rights of other people. Um, so that's that's a big piece of it. Now, obviously, Trump made his whole persona, political persona, uh, back when he was elected in 2016 and certainly during 2020 and even more so today, about anti-immigration, oftentimes anti-trade. Um, and you know he, he's just milking that. And it's, like I said, dangerous. It is. And that's a great point, Mike, because back in 2015, I think it was during the speech when he announced his candidacy, you know, he made that famous remark that when Mexico is sending its people, it's not sending its best, you know, it's sending its rapists and its murderers. And he says, some, I assume, are good people. So he's never been friendly towards immigration, but his rhetoric has escalated a lot very recently, and well, even even just that that statement oh, itself. I mean, he he's talking about like as if Mexico is sending people, well, like the government yes. of Mexico is sending people. It's these individuals, which he doesn't have the ability to acknowledge, individuals making their own decision about what's going to be a better life for themselves and their family. I interrupted you though. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. I, that's a great point, Mike. Countries are not sending people. People themselves are moving. And, of course, his remarks are totally dehumanizing. But recently, rhetoric just goes up exponentially. So at this New Hampshire rally, I'm just going to give a few quotes that Donald Trump said in regards to immigration into the United States. So he said, quote, they're poisoning the blood of our country. That's what they've done. So there's one quote. Uh, Something else he started getting into. He said, Quote, they poison mental institutions and prisons all over the world, not just in South America, but all over the world. They're coming into our country from Africa, from Asia, all over the world. And, you know, of course, obviously what he's doing there, there's just some xenophobia, of course, right? Talking about, ooh, we don't want people from Africa or Asia here, right? That's... You know, those people are scary. They don't look like us. We don't want them, right? Well, and that's a big part of what he's doing is, you know, the fear of the other, you know, someone else. And whenever you have, whenever you have internal political problems, historically, this is oftentimes what political leaders do when they don't have answers, and he certainly doesn't, um, they, they want to attack, they want to attack somebody else, say somebody else is the root of our problems. And that's, that's just you know the the lack of confidence in your own system and and the fear that you know that that's displaying and, and I think as you're saying um, you know it's interesting that there's such a big audience for this I mean it's not just Trump that there there are people who are buying this they are he's ahead in the all the polls yeah. it looks like to be a likely presumptive Republican nominee but let's take a step back so I just read some quotes that Trump made. Let's talk a little bit about, are immigrants, quote, poisoning the blood of this country, as Trump would say? Let's, let's delve into that a little bit. Let's look at this through the lens of capitalism. But first, if I can, Mike, I'd like to take just a little aside, and let's look at a few quotes from Mein Kampf, because I think that this is particularly relevant based on Trump's recent comments. So let me uh, let me just give a few quotes from Mein Kampf, written by Hitler before he rose to power in Nazi Germany. Uh, one, one quote from Hitler in Mein Kampf, all the great civilizations of the past become, became, excuse me, became decadent because the originally creative race died out 
as a result of contamination of the blood. So there's one Hitler quote there. Uh, He also said, The poison which has invaded the national body, especially since the Thirty Years' War, has destroyed the uniform constitution not only of our blood, but also of our national soul. And then finally, the last quote I threw in here from Mein Kampf. Think further of how the process of racial decomposition is debasing and in some cases even destroying the fundamental Aryan qualities of our German people. Now, based on the Trump quotes that I just referenced a few minutes ago, those sound pretty similar, don't they? It sounds remarkably similar, and it's, like I said, it's scary and and dangerous when you have someone who's tapping into that kind of fear that people have. And it's unfortunate they they have it right now. And what's maybe even more unfortunate right now is the the Republican Party leadership and the nationalist crowd who oftentimes seem to know better but won't condemn this. They're not coming in fact in, in many cases they're 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 trying to rationalize and justify it. Yep. Absolutely, which is even more disgusting perhaps than the original sin itself. But I I just wanted to throw in some of these quotes from Mein Kampf to uh, try to to bring some some color to what we're both saying, which is that this rhetoric is very dangerous. And we've seen what this dangerous rhetoric has done historically. Look how many people died. A- and I'm sure a lot of people tried to rationalize what Hitler said in Mein Kampf. Well, you know, he didn't really mean that, but he'll be a strong leader for Germany, right? Right, and it, it, I think at root of this is the tribalism, the collectivism. And again, sometimes we need to remind people that's the opposite of capitalism. Capitalism is about individualism, about individual rights. But there is, I don't know if it's an instinct, uh, we are social animals, people want to be on a winning team, but somehow that's what's going on here is he's tapping into this, you know, we got to get together, we got to gang up, you know, there's this fear and so we've got we got to join a group that will you know point the finger at the other group right. and say those are the bad folks they're poisoning us right. we're dying right and like you said his rhetoric's popular which is perhaps the even more disturbing thing but okay so i've talked a lot about why i think donald trump is trash why he's a disgusting despicable human being but let's actually back up and talk about what is immigration doing to this country? Because there are probably two separate issues here. One is what Trump is saying, which is horrible. But economically, if we look at it, let's actually see, well, based on studies, based on evidence, what effect is immigration having on this country? And I thought maybe, Mike, you could kind of walk us through what, what is immigration doing to this country? Well, immigration is one of the, the, the best things to happen to any country. <laughs> Um, and that's historically true in the U.S. Now, we have to separate the issues out. I oftentimes, when people talk about some of the problems that we have socially and they, they bring in the issue of immigration, I often believe that it's, it's useful to say, do we have an immigration problem or do we have a welfare state problem? Now, I think there's good evidence. The Cato, has put out, Cato Institute has put out a bunch of information, studies, empirical studies about you know, who actually is on the dole who is a dependent, who is 
you know, getting a beneficiary welfare. of the welfare state. And by the way, Cato Institute, not a left-leaning organization by any stretch. Okay, we're not we're not quoting the Center for American Progress here. Right, and and, and there there's empirical evidence that usually it's not the immigrants who are sucking off the teat of the the welfare state it's it's our fellow citizens it's it's now again the problem is that this this definition it's a big blob what do we mean by the welfare state um and i think you should i think it's important to include into all entitlement programs in that and and so people will you know they'll get their hackles up and say wait you know social security and medicare those aren't entitlements or those aren't part of the welfare state because i paid into them and they're right about that and this is this is the insidious nature of a welfare state is that you if you can get everyone more dependent upon upon the programs then you can make them much more difficult to to eliminate and much more difficult to sort out and so but but even not counting those social welfare uh, entitlement programs there's strong evidence to suggest that it's still native born americans who are much more likely to tap into the welfare state than than uh, immigrants, illegal or legal, um, but but to answer your question, uh, immigration is a wonderful thing. It's 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 uh, it's an injection of of new blood, so to speak, and and new ideas, and most importantly, new labor. People who are willing to work, people who are willing to work at competitive wages. Now, that's the other problem: is you get lots of native-born Americans who will fall prey to Trump's rhetoric, who say, "Wait, you know, they're taking our jobs. They're taking our." are higher paying jobs and, and they don't realize the, the benefits of having uh, a competitive situation where that a market system does encourage lowering costs for all businesses because of that competition, including finding people who will do work the same kind and quality, maybe less, maybe more, but same kind of work for a lower price. And that's one of the best advantages of immigration and we, as an American society, have benefited from that across the board for decades and really for the last uh, couple centuries. America is a land of immigrants, um, and we should continue that. Now, again, we need to correct our welfare system, and we need to correct our border, uh, our border policies. Those are, those are two important things that we want to make uh, clear, that those things have to be uh, corrected in terms of the law. Um, but... To answer your question, immigration is a wonderful thing. And you said a few times, Mike, you know, a lot of Americans will say, so let's actually look based on a Gallup poll, what Americans do say about immigration. And maybe this will give us a little bit of insight into why some of Trump's rhetoric is popular. So this is looking at a Gallup poll about six months ago. It was conducted in June. Um, It covered a wide array of questions and topics, but Um, I was looking at some of the questions in regard to immigration, and essentially, (laughs) Americans don't have a uniformly positive view of immigration. So, for instance, about 47% of these survey respondents believe that immigration makes crime worse. Um, 41% believe that immigration should be reduced from the current level. And among all respondents, that was a plurality. So in other words, of all the people who are responded, who did respond, the most believed that um, immigration should be reduced. A lot of people said, we don't know. And then, of course, a, a smaller percentage said it should be increased. Also, I think maybe a little bit more interesting and maybe 
uh, directly addressing what you just spoke about in terms of the economy, Mike. 38% of these survey respondents, they think that immigration makes the economy worse. And that was, you know, almost a statistical dead heat with the percentage of people who think that immigration makes the economy better. That was about 39% of people think it makes the economy better. So there's a virtual tie of Americans who believe immigration is making the economy worse or it's making it better. People don't know. And that's one way in which we are kind of a divided country, I guess. Well, it is, that's true. And, and I would partly blame the, the educational system we have uh, for the last several decades on not educating people with regard to fundamental economics and, and the issue of rights. You know, people think that they have a right to a job, and they don't. You don't have a right to a job. In a free market, you can say, I offer my services uh, for a certain wage, but you're making a mutual voluntary trade. Um, now, again, we don't have that I- anymore. So it's almost like we've had an education system that dumbs people down with regard to what a free market looks like. And that's a death spiral in terms of actually having people understand and then reinforces this idea of you know, sort of a fixed pie where there's only so many jobs and uh, Americans need to have them. These people are coming in and they're taking our jobs versus understanding that having people who are willing to work for lower wages actually frees up more people to, to do other creative things and have the, the economy grow generally. So it's this relative ignorance about the economy that causes this. And, it, and you're talking about you know, some percentages that are growing. Now, there's always been an element you know, in any society, there's always an element of people who say you know, immigration is bad, but that's growing lately. And there, there's is. more people who are ignorant of, the, of what the issue of rights are and the, the practical benefits of having immigrants, immigrants come in and do work. I mean, what's amazing to me is any, most business owners understand this. They don't necessarily articulate it. And oftentimes they're, they're, they can be some of the, the biggest supporters of a guy like Trump, but they're, they're aware of the issue of needing to, to find labor. I mean, we, right now we probably have 10 or 20, maybe not 20, but I think, I think the last stat I heard was like 12 million unfilled jobs in this country right now, even though unemployment's relatively low. There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of work to be done that's oh, not Mike, being done. The country's full. <laughs> We're closed for business, right? Yeah, right. That's that's a whole different topic about fullness. I mean, we're we're far from full. Um, we actually need more people. We need more immigrants. No, I I agree. And I want to to get back to uh, some of these data here because what's what's really interesting, I think, is you know almost fifty percent of people think that immigration makes crime worse. So I think a lot of people might say, oh, economically, Mike, yeah, you might be right. But, you know, these people, and going back to Trump's remarks in 2015. Yeah, that's the typical Trump whack-a-mole strategy. I mean, uh, now the media and and certainly um, the right wing, uh, and I think Republicans have have turned this into a crime issue. And there's certainly, we do have lower threshold, in my view, (laughs) for law and order in this country. Um, There have been lots of leftist initiatives over the last 10 years that and and I would blame the left. I'd blame people like Biden and, and who are actually making it more difficult to prosecute criminals. But that, that's just the facts are, you know, as a per capita statistic, again, native born Americans are more likely to be criminals. 
Yeah, and, and just quoting again from the Cato Institute, not a liberal left-leaning institute by any stretch of the imagination. They, um, they've had an ongoing study, actually, based on um, the state of Texas, because Texas publishes a lot of crime data, which I guess is um, very compartmentalized, so it's easier to see— um, you know, crime statistics based on illegal immigrants versus legal immigrants, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, based on some Cato Institute data, um, like you said, Mike, they said, quote, there is more and more evidence that immigrants, regardless of legal status, are less likely to commit crimes than native-born Americans. And I will say, I just got done reading uh, Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. And he talks about how people turn off and their eyes glaze over when we think about statistics. So I know that talking about numbers is not always very influential. But the numbers that the Cato Institute talks about, it's just very telling. Basically... Yeah, facts are stubborn things. And, and the thing is, even if, even if you're, you're you know, not persuaded by a statistical argument, you have to confront that. You have to say, okay, well, is it true? Is it true that... that illegal immigrants or immigrants in general or the blood coming across the border from you know some other color or ethnic group are causing crime and and you have to confront that you have to say what's the truth and yeah. and the, the at least the Cato Institute and many other institutions who study this have shown that the, it's just not true i mean it's just not true that you have any increase in crime due to illegal immigration and just talking about some of the numbers, so this comes from 2018 um, in Texas, but what they found is that the um, illegal immigrant criminal conviction rate was about 782 people per 100,000 illegal immigrants, okay? The conviction rate of native-born Americans, 1,422 per 100,000 native-born Americans. In other words... On a per capita basis, making everything equal, native-born Americans were almost <laughs> double the likelihood of committing uh, or being convicted of a crime. I mean, uh, that totally flies in the face of what we hear. And I get it because I know that a lot of um, people on social media, especially right-leaning people, they take up because news runs a lot of these stories right about an illegal immigrant committed a murder. Illegal immigrant was drunk driving and hit a family and killed everybody, which, of course, these are horrible things. Absolutely. But what it does is it does something called it primes us. We start having an availability bias. We start saying, ooh, I'm hearing all these horrible stories about what illegal immigrants are doing. They're killing people. They're drunk driving. They're crashing into families, destroying lives, which is true. But what you don't hear about on the news, what you don't see posted on social media, are all of the native-born Americans who are doing the same things at even higher rates. And I know that's uncomfortable to talk about. For some of us listening, it's, it, you probably don't really believe it because it, it, it's not what we're accustomed to seeing on the news. It's not the information we get bombarded with. But the data do not lie. Right, and if you and if you have a proclivity to to say it's it's someone else, you know, it's someone who is unfamiliar or foreign that's a cause of my problems. If you have if you have sort of that mindset uh, versus yep. a mindset of saying, 
no, this is another potential trader with me. This is somebody else who who I could benefit from and and trade with or ignore. Or, you know, if you say, well, I want control. I don't want, you know, I don't want to change. I don't want anything to change in my world. I don't want there to be this market disruption. I don't want to have competition. Right. I don't want to see people, the color, their color, their skin. You know, my community is changing. The look of it is changing. I'm uncomfortable with that. Right. If you, if, if you have that mindset, then you're, you're going to be a lot more susceptible to having that same mindset in terms of how you filter the news, uh, re- d- despite what the facts might tell you. Right. Um, and, but I think you know, we, we should talk about, I mean, if I'm sitting there listening, if I'm one of our audience members listening to this, I might be saying, well, wait, I, I, okay, I buy what you're saying about capitalism and, and I don't want to be fearful but there, but I do see news, and maybe I'm maybe I'm being biased or have this proclivity that you're talking about, Mike and Mitch. But the, there does seem a lot of facts around the world of where uh, cultures are changing rapidly because of an influx of migrants. You know, let's forget about the U.S. for a minute. If you talk about like uh, Europe or, or England, um, you know, you are seeing whole neighborhoods change where they're saying, uh-oh, uh, you know, you this, whole, this whole neighborhood is being taken over by Muslims. And, and now you know, there's no rule of law in these neighborhoods. They've, they've decided to take over the neighborhood, and now they have Sharia law. What's your response to that, Mitch? That, uh, my response that we do actually have communities of people essentially not assimilating and taking over the, the homeland, quote Right, unquote. exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Here's my response to that. I mean, we have seen a lot of migration crises, particularly it seems like in the past 15 years. You know, we've seen Syria. How many migrants have come out of there? And, and we have seen issues uh, in Greece, um, in other countries bordering the Mediterranean, um, where, frankly, the institutions of these countries are not able to absorb Hundreds of thousands, millions of people trying to leave their countries, these war-torn countries. We saw it, Poland and Ukraine, a lot of Ukrainian refugees trying to leave, going to Poland. You know, these countries can't absorb that. So, you know, I am—and I don't think you are either, Mike. We're not saying that, you know, this is all—you know, have millions and millions of of refugees come over and everything's going to be fine um, and life will go on as normal. Um, You know, there are— Big horrible situations happening, right? And that's the that's the sort of fear that I'm talking about. People people see something like that, and they make the connection to, well, there's this there's these hordes that Donald Trump is ta- talking about. They're coming, pouring over the southern. There's border. a caravan going through Mexico right now. We see that every few months, right? right? Right. So I think in my mind, Mike, there's two separate issues here. There is what Trump is doing, which frankly is the Hitleresque dehumanizing. So whether you're a refugee, you're an illegal immigrant, you're a legal immigrant, it is the us versus them tribalism. That is wrong. No matter if you think that people should come to this country or not, that sets up a lot of very horrible troubles, I think. I agree. And we've seen that historically. So unequivocally, do not talk about people like they're poison. Okay, that's one issue. The other issue is, okay, no, I agree. Immigrants are, are not poison, but frankly, 
look at we can't accept all these hordes of people, but that's not what we're talking about in the United States. Right, but they get conflated, and that's that's they what I mean. he, he's taking advantage of that, and and the the fear is of this cultural change, like all all of a sudden our like you said our institutions are going to be changed so quickly because of the other people that are coming here will be outvoted and all these kinds of concerns. I mean, that's what he's tapping into. He is, and and I think maybe <laughs> finally getting to answer your question, Mike. There are three hundred thirty million Americans. Having immigration into this country, we're not going to we're not going to become a new country overnight. We are not in this same position where, you know, where a a country neighboring Syria, where we have hundreds of thousands of refugees coming over, and we we just can't, uh, you know, we just don't have the infrastructure for it. That that's just not what's happening here. And and Trump. And his ilk want want us. They, they're partially using that as fear yep. and make us think that's what's happening, but that's not the case here. But I will say, Mike, things do change over time. Culturally, things change, and if you don't like ever seeing change, if you don't ever like seeing people who have a different color skin than you, you don't ever like seeing people who have a slightly different accent than you. Then yeah, you probably never will accept immigration at all. Yeah, and that's a stagnant environment, and that's exactly anti-American. That's not, yes. that's not America first. Or, or I mean, America is about growth. America is about ambition. America is about change. It, now, the thing is, what's amazing to me is how little confidence these Americans, and certainly Trump, who are buying into this kind of rhetoric, how little confidence they have in our system itself, in, in the institutions. And that's what's amazing to me. It's, it's actually, it's kind of a, um, a weird thing that they had they don't have this confidence in individuals and rights uh, they feel threatened by individuals who are different from them so they're 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 wanting to you know sort of freeze things and say well let's let's not have any more immigration let's have not have any more change and uh, let's just go back to some nostalgic period in time where I felt comfortable I felt safe right versus actually saying, what what really gives you comfort and safe is a free society, a free society that recognizes your right as an individual, but human rights in general as each individual being able to be the agent of their own future. And that is the essence of Americanism. And unfortunately, this whole rhetoric about poison the, poisoning the blood and being fearful about others is anti-American. It is. And... I I want to you know how I love my data and facts, Mike. You know that that's part of why you have me here, right? Absolutely. Just so, <laughs> just so I can pull up some some data and quotes. But Stanford, the in Stanford's Institute for Economic Policy Research, they actually looked into this question of what we call assimilation. So I, I know that sounds very Star Trek ish, but you know the Borg were going to assimilate you. But you know, essentially looking at um, do immigrants become American? And, and this is getting to your question earlier, right? Do people come to this country and kind of just stay in their own little communities? You know, are they not becoming... Is it like Trump would like us to believe they're coming here and actually they live in America, but it's really uh, Mexico in America? Well, well, it's like that example I gave you before, like in London, whole, na- whole neighborhoods of Muslims that are saying, you know, we, we've, we've immigrated to the UK, 
But guess what? We're not assimilating. We're we're bordering off our own little neighborhood and, and having our own our own customs, our own culture, and our own law. Yeah. And that's what he that's what he's trying to make it seem like is happening here. Right. So Stanford's looked into this and they say, and I quote, the evidence is clear that assimilation is real and measurable. That over time, immigrant populations come to resemble natives, I mean, native-born Americans, and that new generations form distinct identities as Americans. And this isn't just some educational exercise by Stanford. We've seen this. If you look back at American history, over a century ago, there was the fear that the Italians were going to take us over, right? Or the Asians, the, the Chinese. The Chinese were going to take us Irish. over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, there is a cycle in American history where we get freaked out about immigration every few decades. Sometimes it's we're more scared than other times. But after all of that, all these fears, America is still here. America is still America. We still have that national identity. We didn't see a bunch of Italians come over here and secede from the U.S. and create, you know, little Italy, uh, you know, on the East Coast or something. People are assimilating. We've seen this. Well, and you, you know, the thing is, I think it's important to, to point out assimilating to what. And I do think there's an assimilation challenge over time. I don't think it's anywhere close to what, what Trump is talking about. And it's the exact opposite in terms of cause. If we had confidence in our institutions of the rule of law and protection of individual rights and letting people reap what they sow, meaning not have, not have this you know, massive welfare state and not have this redistributionist policy, that's when people actually do, you get more ambitious people who come. And that's, I think that's what we get right now. I mean, we have certainly had that for, for most of our history. And even today, the people who come in here, unlike what Trump says, are the best. They're the people who want to be Americans. They want to come here and create their own life. And if you let them do that, if you let them do that and say, okay, you're here and you can sink or swim, you know, based upon your marketability and your ability to, to assimilate people, then oftentimes we'll adopt our language. Oftentimes yes. we'll adopt our customs or throw them out, but they'll, they'll say, okay, I will play by the rule of law. And that rule of law, if it's implemented correctly, will be just that issue of protecting rights. That's when people actually do assimilate, and that's where we get reinvigoration of our whole culture in the first place. That's yes. where you get this, this whole melting pot that really turns us into a stronger society. And there's evidence that immigrants are more entrepreneurial than native-born Americans. Absolutely. If you go down the list of the people who've actually been the most successful entrepreneurs for the last 50 years, the list is just you know dominated by people who come here from another country. Right. So, yeah, when Trump says that other countries aren't sending their best, well, first of all, countries aren't sending people, as you've discussed. But, you know, it turns out, actually, a lot of really good people do come here from other countries. Absolutely. And it makes our country better for it. And, and those are the people we should be calling Americans. I mean, the, the, you know, it can get confusing when I use this language, but I like to use it to maybe disrupt somebody's, someone's thinking. But, you know, America is not, not primarily a geography and not primarily a race, you know, or religion. It's, it's not, not a monolithic Christians. entity. No, it's it, it's this idea of freedom. And those people who are 
into freedom. The people who want to be here and take care of their family and take care of they have some ambition and they want to succeed. They want to trade. They want to they want a better life. You know, there's, I don't know if you uh, have seen that movie, A Better Life. No, I have not. It's a fantastic movie. I did a book review on it a long time ago, or a, a movie review on it a long time ago. It's uh, it, it shows the story of a, an illegal immigrant and you know his trials and tribulations of just wanting a better life for his son and what he's doing to make himself himself both uh, in in the job market a more employable, marketable person, and and, and assimilating himself. It, actually, what he's doing to try to be here. Uh, but the title of it's a better life, and that's that's the essence of it. People are just wanting a better life, and that's what Americanism is. That's what that's the essence of what a, being a you know make America great person is. <laughs> Someone right. who's saying I want something better, and I'm willing to trade for it. I'm willing to work for it. I'm, I have that ambition and that initiative. Those are the true Americans, and whether they're born here or not. And I think, Mike, one thing that I want to clarify your opinion on. You would say that, you know, illegal versus legal immigration, you would still want people to become Americans through legal channels. Is Absolutely. that right? I, okay. Yeah. What we want is the law to conform to this issue of and reality of rights protection. And that's what the law should be about. Legitimate law and a legitimate um, jurisdiction and the legitimate rule of law is about rights protection. And if you have a government through its immigration policies or through its welfare state redistribution policies violates rights, then you don't have, you know, you're, you're having the rule of law erode. So you want an immigration policy that actually recognizes each individual's right to live their own life and then says, okay, we do have borders. We have a certain jurisdiction that we're going to enforce that with. We don't have the, we don't have the uh, authority, jurisdiction to to go say in Guatemala, you have to change your policies to so you recognize the rights of your citizens. Everybody all over the world. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't have that. American citizens don't have that obligation to create a, a justice and a police and military to do that somewhere else. That's a fact. But it's also a fact that if someone is born in Guatemala or Ethiopia or Russia or Ukraine and wants to come here, they still have universal human rights, which means they have a right to their life, a right to pursue happiness, all the things that are outlined in the Declaration, they still have those universal rights. Because they're human beings. Because they're human beings. Um, and that, that includes the ability to say, I'm going to move somewhere and trade. Now, again, we don't want to set it up so they are uh, a leech or a parasite off the American taxpayer. But as you've pointed out thoroughly, that there's no evidence that that's really the case. Certainly, there may be an example here or there. But as a rule... They're not doing that. They're not violating the rights of citizens. We're violating the rights of citizens ourselves by saying you can't trade with these people. You know, we, you can't hire them or you can't, you know, sell them a house or you can't, you, you, native-born American, your rights are being violated themselves by our policy. So the, that's a long-winded way to say we should have an immigration policy that's rational and protects rights. And that means saying we have a certain jurisdiction, we do have borders, but the borders mean you know, we basically do some initial checks about what your criminal background is and, and whether you're a, a terrorist, but otherwise, you're welcome. Come come in here and make your way in the world. So before you wrap it up, Mike, with your, your wise words, as you usually do, I just want to bring us back to where we started, which was Trump's comments about the poison. Well, you and you didn't even bring up, you know, you, you were being easy on Trump. You didn't even bring up his, you know, his uh, comments about 
Putin and oh and, yes, uh, you could go on and on. And I don't want to. Well, know, but choose. let's just talk about what what were his comments on Putin and Kim Jong Un. Well, I mean, he he's using, and this is partly what I, I think is dangerous. Is he he's using uh, thugs around the world who are making comments about American democracy and and acting like well we're a country that's in decay because we're not we're we're attacking Donald Trump. We're actually we're saying he he needs to live up to the rule of law himself. And you got people like Putin who's, you know, basically makes himself the ruler for life. Kim Jong Il, you know, the uh, Xi in China. These are thugs. These are people who are making comments about our culture and Trump is trying to attach himself to these people. And he's always and, and like And the Americans them. are falling for it. Yes. But he, we know he's always had a love affair for Putin. He's always had a love affair for Kim Jong-un. He likes... Well, but unfortunately, you have a, a large number of his fans right now of Trump's supporters who are actually saying, wait, Putin must be right about things. Oh, absolutely. Well, because Putin put down Biden, which there are a lot, as we've done on this podcast many times, a lot of legitimate reasons to put down President Biden. Yeah, Biden himself is poison. I mean, if we're talking about poison... Uh, Biden himself is poison, and as you mentioned, we've we've covered that thoroughly. We'll probably have the opportunity to cover it oh, more. Oh, we thoroughly. will, we will. But you know, somebody like Putin criticizing Joe Biden, you know, that's a little rich in irony for me. I agree. And then Trump seizing on Putin's comments about Biden to try to make himself seem better. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's a pathetic situation we're in politics wise. Um, that we have these choices. We don't, you know, we, we, there's still time. We, we have primaries. It's a, you know, I don't want to go into a whole, whole diatribe about what's going to happen in the primaries. I don't even know. Um, but there is time and there, and it's, it is time that people who are for capitalism, people who are for really truly making America great again, people who are for individual rights, people who are for the founding of this country, who understand that to stand up, and that means to stand up to Trump right now, and and uh, and not support him, and and to to look because there are legitimate good alternatives to Trump in on the Republican side, and and there's certainly some alternatives to to Biden on the Democratic side. Um, there are people people need to stand up and say you know this whole idea of of poisoning the blood is a wrong idea. Trump is the one who's doing the poisoning. I wouldn't say he's poisoning the blood. He's poisoning the culture by by tapping into fears and uh, the irrational anti-individualism that has made America so great in the past uh, yeah. and can in the future. Look, the poison to America is Trumpism. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And it's poisoned the well of our republic. And we could be entering very dangerous times. So, anyway, with that, uh, very happy... Uh, conclusion on my part mike anything else that you want to leave us with you talked a little bit about the primaries you know what you should be on the lookout if you truly are a defender of capitalism anything else you want to leave us with no i think that covers i mean we'll maybe we'll have an opportunity over the coming weeks and months to do some handicapping talk about who amongst the candidates who are who are legitimate uh possibilities who are more uh, pro-capitalism than not. And that's what we're looking for. That's what uh, any American who really does want to make America great again should be looking for, is that can candidate who recognizes the value of the founding vision and who recognizes that it's capitalism and the protection of individual rights that is the foundation of a great country. And we'll have that opportunity to talk more about these candidates individually. With that, I, I want to just leave people with the fact that 
know, there's no more excuses. Uh, you know, you, you could, I mean, I probably am guilty of this. Uh, anyone who understands how, how bad, and I mentioned, you know, poisonous Biden is, you know, is, has been trying to rationalize this guy for, for years. Yeah. This guy Trump for years. And we got to get out of the business. We got to let him go. We got to get rid of him. He, he himself has poisoned the American culture and, that's all I got to say about that. He's no defender of capitalism is what we're saying. No, we've been saying that for a long time. Uh, Trump is, he doesn't even understand capitalism. He doesn't understand the, the, the founders. And uh, with that, I would just say, stand up to him. Uh, you, if you're in office, if you're not, if you're just a voter like I am, you got you to gotta be vocal about this. This is not something that we want to stand for, and we want to look elsewhere for a better and brighter future. With that, this is Michael Williams and Mitch Whitus signing off for the Defenders of Capitalism Project, and we'll be talking to you soon. Please, uh, if you like this episode or if you like our general uh, approach to evaluating the issues of the day— Or if you hated it. Or if you don't like us, let us know. Tell us— and share it. Please share this uh, with your friends and family. Uh, hopefully it stirs some dialogue. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon.